we are uh, concluding our Advent uh, uh, conversation. We've been we've been in the season of Advent, this time of preparation for the coming of Christ, uh, and the way we prepare for uh, the coming of Christ in our world is by looking at the original coming of Christ when Jesus came as a baby uh, in Bethlehem. And so we've been looking at the different Christmas stories about that. And uh, today we're looking at the, the last two Christmas stories that we find in the New Testament. And they are both very familiar stories to, to so many of us uh, because they, they are the stories of the, the, uh, uh, ma- the, the magi or wise men uh, that come following a star that we find in Matthew's biography of Jesus and the story of the shepherds and the angels that we find in Luke's biography of Jesus. So, so they are familiar stories, but they are not usually uh, told together. Um, today I wanted to look at them together, um, even though typically they're not. Uh, they probably didn't take place at the same time. And I know we have Christmas decorations that suggest they, they did, but uh, practically, that that uh, that is probably not the case. Uh, they might have taken place uh, by a, they might have been separated by a few months or even uh, maybe a year or two. Uh, uh, we, we don't know the exact timing, but they probably were not at the same time. Uh, and um, we are we're, we're looking at them today together, uh, uh, which is which is not the usual case. Usually, the church looks at them. Um, on separate occasions, the story of the shepherds and, and the angels uh, appears uh, typically in the church calendar for Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, and the story of the magi, the the, the following the star, that is told on the the twelfth day of Christmas, the the celebration of Epiphany, and uh, I wanted to look at them together because. Because when we do, when we look at both stories together, we see something. It, it jumps out at us in a way that, that helps us to understand what's going on better than if we look at them separately. Because when there's two things, we can begin to see the pattern. And the pattern is that God is picking people we wouldn't pick. God picks the, the, the magi to announce the birth of Jesus to. God picks shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus to instead of the people we would probably pick. And, and I know it's difficult for us to understand that because we've been hearing this story for, for 2000 years. I mean, it's a very familiar story. Um, it's, it's very few people have actually not heard the story. So if you haven't, then, then you're, you're in a good position for hearing it today because because that helps you access the way it would have been heard in the first century. Uh, for the rest of us, probably the best thing for us to do is to imagine that we are time travelers. And if you're a time traveler, who are you going to go see? Let's suppose that you, you can you can do the time travel, that that's all worked out and you have confidence in it, um, and uh, you... you uh, will blend into the culture and you speak the language and all those sorts of things. So, so put that stuff aside. But let's just imagine you're a time traveler. Are you going to go see, um, Caesar Augustus or are you going to see some teenagers watching the grass grow while they watch their sheep at some ungodly hour when everybody is supposed to be asleep? Are you going to go to, to see them or are you going to go see the, the emperor of the Roman world, the, the, the first emperor, the one who actually uh, transitioned Rome from a republic to a, an empire, uh, the, the, the cunning general and the crafty statesman, the, 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 the person who created the Pax Romana, um, the, the, the peace of Rome that, that spanned everywhere from Spain in the West to the Middle East, uh, from from France and uh, uh, Italy and Greece in Europe 
to northern Africa and Egypt in the south, this this gigantic empire uh, that that one man put together out of the pieces that had been at war, um, he he created the, the the Pax Romana that historians tell us wasn't peaceful, but it was peaceful compared to the the time before and after it. So uh, uh, an amazing person, Caesar Augustus, would we go see him or would we see some teenagers sitting out in the field at night? Or take the case of Herod and the, the Magi. Herod is the only ruler of the of the region now called uh, Israel-Palestine that uh, historians have given the name great to. He was an amazing he was an amazing character. He was actually an opponent of uh, Caesar Augustus's. When when Caesar was having his uh, his battle with Mark Antony, uh, uh, Herod actually was on Antony's side, and yet he was so crafty he was actually able to to uh, get get Augustus after Augustus won to appoint him king over that region and then he he uh, ruled it for a long period of time and he actually has part of what he did is still available to us today because he rebuilt the temple and he he made it so big and so grand that he actually had to expand the hillside that that Jerusalem is built on he actually had to build a big retaining wall and fill it in in order to accommodate his big building project and when the temple was later destroyed uh the 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 retaining wall still exists and you can go to Israel today and you can actually see it there in Jerusalem so it is an amazing set of accomplishments both as a statesman and as a a, a visionary and a builder would you go see him or would you go see some wandering stargazers it's it's hard for us to to really appreciate just how obvious the choice would be. Uh, imagine if, if as a time traveler, you have to apply for a grant because somebody has to pay for your time travel. What would you put down? I'm going to go see some teenagers or I'm going to go see the, the emperor of the Roman world. Uh, what would you put down uh, if, if you were, were planning your doctoral dissertation and you needed to impress the committee? Uh, what would you actually put down? Who, who are the more important people? And, Maybe we might say, I don't know, sheep and shepherds, that sounds pretty exotic. I don't know any shepherds or sheep. That would be interesting. But, but really, really, I mean, do you watch any sheep shows on TV? Do you, do you, you know, is this like a hobby of yours? Is there anything that has ever made it interesting to you in the past? Um, uh, or, or take the Magi. The Magi, you know, they were, they were, um, the, the word actually comes from, uh, the Zoroastrian religion and it, it, Sometime before it had been applied to people who were priests of the Zoroastrian religion. And th- that's what the word came from. But by the, by the first century, partly because of the Pax Romana, uh, because of that, they had spread all over the eastern, um, eastern Mediterranean. And so there were Zoroaster, um, there were, there were Magi all over and they had a kind of not a great re- reputation. The word, the word, uh, is, is related to our word magic. That's where the, the, the people who were magi were thought to practice, uh, um, magic, uh, or they were sometimes called magicians, and that's where we get our words. But, but it had a negative connotation. It wasn't kind of a, a happy, you know, here's a, here's a cute illusion trick. It was more of a, I'm going to, to do a trick on you and take your wallet kind of magic. So they had a negative reputation in that world. And even if they didn't, um, would we really pay much attention to them? You know, if, if the, if the teenagers are, uh, if the, if the shepherds are teenagers sitting out in a field by themselves, the, the, the magi are 
outsiders. I mean, they, 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 they're kind of out there. Their, their thinking is out there. Let me, let me give you, uh, an example. So this is actually a timely example because, um, because we actually have some interesting astronomical events going on in our own world. So in the, uh, uh, here in Alaska, we pay attention to the solstice, right? Because we can't wait until uh, winter arrives because then it can leave again. So we're going to actually have some things uh, that, that commemorate the, the solstice tomorrow on the 21st of December. But we also have on the 21st, we have a, a, a great conjunction. And a great conjunction is something that happens when the orbits of uh, Jupiter and uh, uh, Saturn um, allow the two planets to appear to be next to each other at, when we see them from Earth. They're not; they're, they're millions of miles apart, but from Earth they look like they're next to each other. And this only happens every 20 years. But the one that's going to happen tomorrow um, is is especially noteworthy because it is the the closest conjunction of these two planets in 400 years. And the one that happened in the 1600s, actually it wasn't, uh, the, the viewing conditions were bad, uh, that we weren't lined up properly to see them well, so uh, they weren't seen um, the way that they would be uh, t- tomorrow. And in fact, the, the, the viewing tomorrow, if, if the weather cooperates, the viewing will be the best in 800 years. So it's an amazing event. And it's worth walking outside if the, if there aren't clouds. It's worth walking outside to take a look. Um, so you just look off to the to the southwest about four to four thirty in the afternoon, and you should see it. It'll look like a very bright star. There's actually two two planets, but they'll be closer together than the the distance uh, the the width of the moon. So so um, it'll be worth looking at. But suppose suppose you go out and you see it. We're hoping for good weather. Suppose you go out and see it, and then you go back to your house, and there's a knock on the door, and it's some wandering stargazers, and they tell you. Hey, guess what that's, guess what that conjunction means? We've been, we've been waiting for this thing to happen because it will tell us who is going to rule the country. And you go, I already know who ruled the country. You know, the electoral college is meeting and, and, you know, they, they, they've, they've made their decision and so it's going to be Joe Biden. They say, no, but the, the conjunction means Donald Trump won the election. Or, let me turn it around. Suppose you, you think that Donald Trump actually did win the election and there was fraud or whatever, and they tell you, no, the conjunction means that Joe Biden won the election. How much attention are you going to pay them? Are you going to invite them in your house? How, how long will you let them tell you your theories? Uh, it, it's difficult to pay much attention to people who are outsiders. And that's the situation with the, the Magi. The, the shepherds are basically harmless nobodies. But the, the Magi, it's like, what are you really getting at? You know, your, your theories are kind of out there. Would you let them in? Would you pay them any attention? And that is really, that is really, I think, the issue for us. The reason that we would make these decisions. Because, because we live in what's been called an attention economy. The word attention economy was, was created by a, a Nobel laureate named, um, Herbert Simon, and what he what he noticed is that the the one thing that everybody uh, has has a finite supply of is our attention. In the past, when people were struggling to to uh, to provide the basic necessities of life, um, there were other things that were more valuable. But for most of society today, except for people at the very very bottom of the economic scale. Uh, for most people today, we've got our basics uh, covered. And so the thing that we're most concerned about is what do we do with our 
attention. That that the the attention we have is something that is is relatively precious because we've only got so much of it. And so, what are we going to spend it on? What are we going to spend time doing? What are we going to what are we going to pay attention to? And and just those words, the fact that we spend time and we pay attention shows that this is not a really a new idea. It's just a new term. So this idea of uh, of living in an attention economy it tells us that that maybe sheep are interesting. You know, maybe they are. Maybe Zoroastrians are interesting. Maybe it, w- it would be worth worth spending some time listening to them. But if you have to bet, if you're going to time travel back and see what they were doing, say a year before before the the, the Christmas stories, you're probably going to bet on Caesar. You're probably going to bet on Herod because they're probably going to be more interesting to you than than the the shepherds or or these uh, Zoroastrian priests, so so that's probably the case, and you don't know, but if you have to bet and and you've only got so much attention you can spend, you're going to probably bet on the big historic figures, but God doesn't. God doesn't. God spends His time. God pays attention to the the nobodies sitting out there in their field. These teenagers. These Pimply teenagers that farmers didn't even like because they would run their sheep across their, your field. They're, God pays attention to the the magi. God uh, God arranges for the armies of heaven to give these nobodies, these teenagers out in the field. They get a they get a um, celestial light show, and they get a a flyover, a nighttime flyover of the armies of heaven. That's how much God wants to be in a relationship with them. God wants, God pays them attention because he wants to be in a relationship with them. In the case of the Magi, God has arranged the position of planets because he wants to be in a relationship with these outsiders, with their interesting theories. God wants to be in a relationship with them because God loves the world. Before Jesus has has taken has said his first word, later he will tell us that God loves the world. But before he does that, before he takes his first step, before he even cuts a tooth, God has already demonstrated in a very obvious way how much he loves the world, not just the movers and shakers. Not just the celebrities on the, on the tabloids. Not just the, the rich and powerful. Not just the Davos set. God loves the nobodies out in their field. God loves the quirky Zoroastrians. They aren't even Jews and God loves them. And maybe for, for you, that's the message you need to hear. Maybe you think God isn't interested in you, that you are an outsider or you are a nobody. Uh, maybe people have told you that. Maybe even Christians have told you that. And if, if they have, the, the evidence of Scripture, the evidence of the New Testament is that God reaches out past the somebodies. God wants to be in a relationship with everybody, including the nobodies and the outsiders. So maybe that's the message for you. But but for a lot of us, if if we say, yeah, I, I know that. I know that God loves uh, people like me and not just the, the rich and powerful. There's a separate question for us, which is which is if God pays attention to to nobodies, to to outsiders, what do we pay our attention to? What do we pay attention to? Well, the the data says that most of us pay attention to our phones. 
that that the average American spends about five hours on their phone. Boomers only spend about five hours, but millennials spend almost six hours on their phone every day. And the the, um, the average American picks up their phone 58 times uh, during the course of a day, and they spend about 30 minutes sending text messages. And by the way, these are last year's numbers. These are pre-COVID numbers from 2019. So you can imagine it has almost certainly not shrunk this year. People are spending an enormous amount of time in the virtual world. And, and yes, I know some of that is actually connecting with other people, but, but the average American again spends about three hours, almost three and a half hours, um, looking at the internet. And then on top of that, the average American spends about four hours watching TV. So how much time does that actually leave for us to pay attention to magi or shepherds or family members, children, spouses, parents? How much time do we actually spend of our attention? How much of it do we pay to other people? Now, I'm not in a position to judge anybody. I have made, God knows, I have made mistakes. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos this year, and there's not a one that I wouldn't trade for even a single conversation with my daughter. And that's what, that's what the data shows us is that most people, the regrets they have at the end of their life are the things they didn't do with other people, that they didn't spend time with people, they didn't cultivate relationships, they didn't go to the trouble of mending relationships. People have these sorts of regrets. The other kind of regrets that they have is what they spent their time doing for work. They, they either worked too much or they worked on things that weren't really meaningful to them. But the thing about work is at least they pay you. But so much of the way we spend our time, it's, it's us who are paying. We are, we are, as the saying goes, if you're not paying for something, then if it's free to you, then you aren't the consumer, you're the product, and they're selling you to somebody else. They're selling your time on the, the, the phone, uh, you know, continuing to scroll, hoping for something interesting. They're selling that to somebody else, and you are the product. Because we live in an attention economy. And so what do we spend our attention on? What do we pay our attention to? See, God gives us his attention. God gives us his attention because he loves us and he wants to be in a relationship with us. But do we give our attention to people? Do we even, do we even get paid for our attention? Or do we pay our attention to things that are really ultimately meaningless? Christmas is the season of giving. And maybe for Christmas this year, the best gift you can give somebody else is your attention, is to give them your time, is to say, you know what, God finds you interesting. And my guess is that if I actually give you some of my attention, I will find what it is that God finds so interesting about you, or at least I'll begin to get an idea of why God finds you so interesting. But we won't know if we're wasting our time, if we're, if we're paying our attention to things that really have no ultimate meaning. Christmas is a season for giving, so let's give our attention. Let's give our time to the outsiders and the nobodies and even the important people, the most important people in our lives. Let's give our time to people that God finds interesting because if we do, we might find why God finds them so interesting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the 
the the lessons that we we see in the scriptures and we thank you for these two lessons today the the story of the wise men and the story of the the shepherds and what they show us that that you love outsiders and you love nobodies lord um we don't we don't feel like that most of the time but when we do it's something that is that is helpful to remember that you love us um Lord, help us to show the same kind of love for the people around us. Help us to, to be better stewards of the time you've given us so that, so that we can give it as freely as you give your attention. Help us to see people the way you see them and help us to love them the way you love them. We pray all these things in the name of the one who's coming we celebrate this week, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.